1: What in the shit are we talking about this week? Norse gods. Turns out they're still being worshipped today. Who knew? Well, our own Time Suck editor, Jesse Dobner, who is a practicing asatruar, uh, he knew. Apparently a lot of people in Iceland also knew. Quite a few in Sweden, Norway, Denmark, even a few Time Suckers. I did not. I thought Thor was a comic book character whose Marvel mythology kicked off three really successful movies and made Chris Hemsworth a star and Stan Lee even more money like he needs that. I had no idea that those movies and comics came from, uh, uh, you know, real mythology. Turns out the Scandinavians have an origin story as fantastical and interesting and magical as the ancient Greeks. And just like some people still worship the ancient Greek and Roman gods from Mount Olympus. Seriously, somebody is hoping uh, he's on Zeus's good side right now. Others worship the Norse gods of Asgard as in Thor right now, present day. Did not know that. I learned so much this week. My mind was expanded in surprising ways. And now you too are going to learn so much and have a great time in this Norse Gods edition of Time Suck.
0: You're listening to Time Suck.
1: What's up, Time Suckers and Space Lizards? I'm Dan Cummins, and this is Time Suck, recording from scenic Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And today's Time Suck is brought to you by a brand new podcast. Big Questions with Cal Fussman, the podcast. Have you ever wondered how Kobe Bryant became an Oscar nominee? Did you even know he's an Oscar nominee? These are the kind of questions that Cal Fussman gets answers to in his podcast, Big Questions with Cal Fussman. Best-selling author and Esquire columnist, Cal Fussman talks to people who have lived extraordinary lives from Kobe Bryant, to Dr. Oz, to Tim Ferriss, and he has really deep, thoughtful conversations with these guests, and you'll end up with burning questions answered and a few new ones to think about. Are you intrigued by Mr. Fussman? Me too. So subscribe to Big Questions with Cal Fussman now in your favorite podcast app like Stitcher or Apple Podcasts and enjoy getting that curiosity itch scratched. TimeSuck is also brought to you today by the new Stitcher podcast, Dear Franklin Jones. And Franklin Jones is a cult uh, leader and the narrator of this podcast was born into his strange, strange cult many years ago. Growing up, reporter Jonathan Hirsch's, uh, Hirsch's, excuse me, family was a, a little different. Jonathan's parents worship Franklin as a god. Join Jonathan now on a journey to find out what really happened and whether this group really did become a cult. It's an awesome new podcast that is fucking fascinating, uh, incredibly well produced. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying it. So, I, and I hope you enjoy it, time suckers. I know how much you love cults. I mean, we just did Koresh. Now you get now you get a new cult fix. With this, uh, dear Franklin Jones. So subscribe to Dear Franklin Jones in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or in your favorite podcast app. Okay, big first today on Time suck uh, fellow members of the cult of the curious. First episode chosen by the Space Lizards in the app and on the website. First number one vote getter for the first happy fe- first half of February, and-, and you didn't take it easy on me. I did not expect this one, but I am glad I got it. Man, it really challenged me. Uh, recording from the CDA suck lair, Reverend Dr. Josh Krell monitoring the sound waves from his from his new tech temple uh, here in, in the dungeon. He, if there was a, a Norse god of tech, uh, he, that's what his desk is a little temple to right now. Fancy new iMac looking so pretty. Little cushions under the speakers. Ah, so, so nice. So fancy. Watching the sound waves on the big old monitor. Trying to make sure Lucifina doesn't sneak in and corrupt the suck. Big on Luciferina, Hail Nimrod. Big thanks to all the time suckers who came to Minneapolis. I'm recording this before getting there. But I, but I know already that at least three of the four stand-up shows are sold out. So that's fantastic. And the podcast is sold out. So you know what? Fucking love you guys. Haven't even done the shows. Fucking love you guys. Going to be at the Brea Improv SoCal this weekend, March 8th through the 11th. Supposed to be on some great podcasts down in LA. Got some fun stuff on the schedule. Uh, Going to be recording an episode of The Church, What's Happening What's Happen- What's Happen- Now with Joey Coco Diaz. Very funny, dude. Going to be a guest on the Adam Carolla Show, one of the biggest podcasts out there. Going to be back on the Tinfoil Hat with Sam Tripoli. A lot of fun podcasting coming my way. Uh, you know, a lot of fun podcasting coming to uh, coming to Time Sucks. So, Hill Nimrod. And then back in uh, my wife's hometown, back at Hilarities in Cleveland, March 22 through the 24th. So, get there, Cleveland. You fucking get there. Tickets have been selling well, and I love it. Salt Lake City, April 20th to the 21st. Uh, Charlotte, Atlanta, Birmingham, Huntsville, Atlanta, uh, Dallas, Houston, now San Antonio, all part of the 2018 Flat Earth Tour. More tour dates at dancummins.tv, Big Southern tour in April. And uh, big Time Sucker update regarding a very cool foundation. A Time Sucker I've got to meet personally is a part of. The hashtag BeLikeTyler. A lot of info for that at the end. Uh, very, very inspiring and cool. Now, time for some Norse gods. All right, you guys ready to get crazy today? Shit is going to get weird. So many legends, so many gods. First things first, uh, maybe a fair amount of pronunciation errors this week. I didn't exactly have time uh, in one week to learn Old Norse, okay? So fucking calm down. You know? I tra- you know I didn't have time to translate all the obscure, weird-ass, too-many-consonant-having Icelandic and Norwegian and Old Norse. Bullshitty words into proper English Would have taken 40 hours at least Just to learn all the word pronunciations But I think I present an acceptable amount Of pronunciations done correctly uh, For today's gods and their surroundings Jesse has helped me a lot with words I couldn't find Out there on the interwebs Uh, A lot of stuff to get to, yeah, so second A lot of stuff uh, about this subject is out there It's very complex, you can get a four year degree From the University College London In Viking and Old Norse studies Then you can get a masters from the University of Iceland In uh, Reykjavik Uh, you hear what I'm saying? You can study this shit for at least six years, minimum. There's so much. I had no idea when I started researching how complicated this stuff is. So we're going to hit overviews, which, which still may be more complex than you might be expecting. It's, it's intense. So disclaimer's out of the way. I'm grabbing my thunder hammer and, and getting to hammering down through some Norse mythology. Uh, so what even is it? What is Norse, Norse mythology in simple terms? It's the Northern European equivalent of Greek and Roman mythology. Very similar actually in certain ways. Uh, the best definition I could find online comes from, not surprisingly, a website called norse-mythology.org. That's right. There's an entire organization dedicated to Norse mythology. There's actually several, and they all have tons of info to offer. Uh, the tagline for norse-mythology.org is, you know, grab uh, Thor's hammer, by the balls, or go fuck yourself. No, that's not that's not the tagline. I just made that up. It's Norse mythology for smart people. And here's how these self-proclaimed smarty pants answer this question. Before the Norse, aka the Vikings, were converted to Christianity during the Middle Ages, they had their own vibrant native pagan religion that was as harshly beautiful as the Nordic landscape to which it was intimately connected. The centerpiece of that religion was what we call Norse mythology today the set of religious stories that gave meaning to the Vikings' lives. I feel like I'm doing a fun narrative voice right now. These myths revolved around deities with fascinating and highly complex characters, such as Odin, Thor, Freya. Loki, and Nimrod, true king of the north, and the one god to rule them all. Thor's hammer is actually just a tool that Nimrod lost when he was tinkering with one of the planets, a small one that he didn't even care about, trying to nail some rings to it to make it look pretty. And it's super powerful, and it was Nimrod's tiniest, weakest hammer. He doesn't even bother to look for it because he has so many other better hammers. So, okay, so maybe there's no record of Nimrod in Norse mythology. Maybe they haven't just, you know, found one yet. The other stuff is legit. Uh, the Norse religion never had a true name. Those who practiced it just called it tradition. However, people who continued to follow the old ways after the arrival of Christianity were sometimes called heathens, which simply meant, you know, uh, people who live on the heaths or elsewhere in the countryside. Rural rural folk, common folk, and the name is stuck. Heathens, man. They're almost as bad as riffraff in the peanut gallery. Old world pineys, right? Well, looky here now. I got some pig. tastiest pig I ever did lick out of my woman's beard. Well, looky here now, with a full belly, I made a butt, baby, with a woman on mine, and grew a viking beard, and stuck Thor's hammer in my butt, and poked old Odin in his eye, and made moonshine and Valhalla, yeehaw! Yeah, man, fucking pineys, man, back in the Nordic days as well. <laughs> I'm done for the moment. Back to the Norse exposition from the good folks at north-mythology.org uh, who add, even though some aspects of it may strike the modern reader as bizarre, if we approach it with the open mind it deserves we can recognize within it the common human quest to live life in the presence of the transcendent transcendent majesty and joy of the sacred. Uh, bizarre, as you will soon see, understatement of the year. Some of the gods of the North are uh, very uh, interesting. And even though it's been a thousand years since the last Vikings laid down their swords, people today continue to be inspired by the vitality and wonder of the Norse myths and the gods who inhabit them. For the Vikings, the world they found was enchanted. That is, they didn't feel the need to seek salvation from the world, but instead delighted in it and marveled at the way things are, including what we today would call both nature and culture. Yeah, the religion of mist didn't sugarcoat the uh, sordidness, strife, and unfairness of earthly life, but instead acknowledged it, praised the attempt to master it through the accomplishment of great deeds for the benefit of oneself and one's people. A life full of such deeds was what the uh, good life was for the Vikings. Okay, so that's what the that's what the folks at Norsemythology.org think. As a religion, though, I wondered what are the sacred texts of Norse mythology? Like, you know, is, is there some sort of Norse Bible? No. But uh, there is a Norse nudie magazine, and it's called Helga's Pussyhorn. And huh, wow, those old wood carvings are intense. <laughs> Thor, very kinky. No. That's ridiculous. There is no ancient Norse nudie magazine. But there is a book that is the primary source for a written account of most of the legends. It's called the Edda or the Prose Edda or Snorri's Edda, a book assumed to be written or at least compiled, probably uh, the better term, by a 13th century Icelandic scholar, Snorri Sturluson. Sturluson, excuse me, around the year 1220 CE. And Snorri, uh, what a fucking name. Sorry if that's a super common name in Iceland. I know I do have Icelandic listeners. Uh, probably just lost lost five Snorries after the time suck. I like my name. I I think it is a good name. Uh, And Snorri was Christian, which is worth mentioning. Christianity became the official religion of Iceland around 1000 CE. So what's interesting about the main uh, written record of Norse gods is that it was written by a Christian a few centuries after his land was Christianized. So, you know, that's like imagine if the Bible was written by a Hindu in a land that had been dominated for a few centuries by Hinduism. You know, probably going to probably going to be a little different book uh, than, you know, if it were written by, you know, Jews or Christians as it was. So the, the core canon, if you will, of Norse mythology has been Christianized uh, to exactly what degree. We'll never know. But just kind of something to, to keep in mind as we march kind of through this where, you know, who knows how much kind of Christian flavor was added to the Norse legends of old. Uh, and that's what we're kind of, you know, viewing today when we study Norse mythology is this revised version revised how much, we don't know. Well, this cute document of sorts, this this Edda begins with a prologue establishing the origins of Norse mythology, how the Norse gods descended from some godlike Thracians. Now, who were the Thracians? The Thracians were a race of half dogs, half humans descended of Bojangles of Atlantis, the most powerful warriors of antiquity. And they kicked some ancient Greek and Persian ass as Bojangles, the immortal, led them into battle with his thunder hammer. A weapon retreat from Zeus himself. A weapon fashioned out of that glorious pit bull's missing fourth leg. Beating the Greeks with his own leg. I'm done again. The Thracians were an ancient Indo-European people inhabiting southeastern Europe. The first historical record of the Thracians is found in the Iliad, where they are described as allies of the Trojans in the Trojan War against the Greeks. Thracians lived in present-day Bulgaria, Greece, and Turkey, and their roots likely go back to the beginnings of civilization in southern Europe. Unlike the Greeks, they never urbanized, and they didn't leave behind strong archaeological evidence of of how they began and what life, uh, you know, for the average Thracian was like. Uh, but you know, we do know they lived in small clans or villages, huts on hilltops, you know, that kind of stuff. Pines. Uh, they didn't form any type of uh, kingdom until the fifth century BCE, when forty Thracian tribes aligned into the Odrysian. Odrysian. There we go. Odrysian kingdom that lasted until the first century CE. They were referred to by Greeks and later by Romans as barbarians. Uh, Thracians would impale Roman heads on their spears. The famed Greek historian uh, Herodotus writes that they sell their children and let their maidens commence with whatever men they please. Yeah, so there, you know, they're a rough bunch, some heathens. But to an extent, uh, you know, contextually, so was everybody back then. It was a rough time. It was a rough time in history. So the the original Norse gods were Thracians, ancient battle-tested warriors, and the Thracians may or may not have been dirtbags. And why pick the Thracians? Well, as a scholar, I, I would have to imagine that Snorri was familiar with the works of Homer. So, you know, why not give the origin story of the Norse gods a little more pep? You know, have them come from the very same battles that the ancient Greek gods fought in. That's pretty cool. Uh, give them the same blending of human and God. You know, give them the, the same mythology of human-like gods being very active in the lives of their worshipers. Or maybe that was part of the oral legend. Perhaps the earlier Germanic settlers of the North country, you know, brought this legend with them. And And perhaps they they brought it from Thrace. There is a possibility that some of the legends originated, much like Roman mythology, from actual ancient people, which is known as humorism. Uh, So the the genealogy presented by Snorri begins with Priam, uh, the king of Troy in Greek mythology during the Trojan War, a man written about by Homer, and Priam's daughter married King Munion. Now their son was Thor, who was fostered in Thrace. Kind of cool, right? man? Thor coming from the same time, and same underlying mythology as Achilles. How cool would that be to have Thor make some cameos during the Trojan War, right? Maybe do battle alongside Hector. That was badass. Fighting alongside, you know, Ares. The Greek god of war and the Norse god of thunder. Best WWE tag team wrestlers ever. Right? How, how would a show that would be? Facing off against the Legion of Doom. We have the gods of war. Ares and Thor. Ah, uh, 12-year-old me, psyched as shit to watch that match. I'm kind of psyched right now, actually, and I know I just made it all up. Uh, Snorri tells the, the uh, tells of the god whom we call Odin, who came to Germany, Saxland, and established the royal lines there. Odin had second sight, and his wife also, and from their foreknowledge, he found that his name should be exalted in the northern part of the world and glorified above the fame of all other kings. Therefore, he made ready to journey out of Turkland. They made no end to their journeying until they came north into the land that is now called Saxland. Think, yeah, they made, up, made it up to Germany. There's a ton of other shit, and that's just the intro, you know. And then they move on into you know the rest of Scandinavia or sorry, the rest. Excuse me, they move on in, into Scandinavia, and there are then there are three books that I that I gave up trying to find a perfect pronunciation of that wasn't uh, made by someone with with an Icelandic accent so thick it didn't help me because my tongue do not move that way. The first is the ginging <laughs> I wish you could see these words: G Y L. F A G I N N I N G, and you basically like you you Google uh, Gilfenging, uh pronunciation, and then it just takes you to a page saying why don't you go fuck yourself? Uh, what are you? What are, why are you looking that up? No, but the Gilfing uh, de- deals with the creation and destruction of the world of the Norse gods and some other intense stuff like the formation of Sweden. Let's hear a little taste of this one. Uh, this is uh, this is a little excerpt. Here begins the be- the beguiling of Gilfi. King Gilfi ruled the land that men now call Sweden. It is told of him that he gave to a wandering woman in return for her merrymaking, merrymaking, a plowland in his realm. Oh, they got it on. That's the kind of merrymaking he's talking about. As much as four oxen might turn up in a day and a night. But this woman was of the kin of the Asir. She was named, uh, she was named Jeff. uh, Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Gayun, Gayun. (laughs) She took, she took from the north out of Yatunheim. Yatunheim. Four oxen, which were the soils of a certain giant and herself, and set them before the plow. And the plow cut so wide and so deep that it loosened up the land. And the oxen drew the land out into the sea and to the westward and stopped in a certain sound. And then the, 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 the Jeff Jeffun set the land and gave it a name called Salund. And from that time on, a lot of other fucking weird names are tossed around and such and such and whatnot and some yippity-yap and some fucking ballyhoo happens. And it just goes on like that for about, you know, 20,000 words. And again, interesting how originally some of these Norse gods were just dudes, you know, some just women, kings and queens and mighty warriors, but just people. Our editor, Jesse, told me this is one of the aspects that kind of drew him into the modern faiths uh, based or one of the modern faiths based on uh, the Norse gods, uh, Esatru. He likes that Odin, the Allfather, was once a man, you know, who became the Allfather by gathering wisdom. Dude, you know, kind of he gave up his own eye for knowledge, as you'll soon hear about. As opposed to always being omnipotent and, and powerful, it just made him more relatable to him. Uh, and then there's the kick-ass fifty thousand word second book, the Skaldskaparmal. Oh man, this word is just a fucking nightmare. It's it's s k a with an accent over the a l d s k a again, no accent p a r p or no p a r m a with an accent l. It just looks like a like get out of here. It's effectively a dialogue between the uh, a gear a gear. Oh, Got Agir, the Norse god of the sea, and, and Bragi, uh, Bragi, the god of poetry. Uh, the word skald in scaldus uh, kamarpal means poet or poetry. By the way, and starts off a little something like this: A certain man was named Agir. He dwelt on the island which is now called Herls Isle, and was deeply versed in black magic. He took his way to Asgard, but the Asir had foreknowledge of his journey. He was received with good cheer. And yet, many things were done by deceit, with eye illusions. And at evening, when it was time for drinking, I feel like I'm reading David Icke right now, by the way. And at an evening, when it was time for drinking, Odin had swords brought into the hall, so bright that light radiated from them, and other illumination was not used while they sat drinking. The N and the Asir came. Oh, then, <laughs> sorry. Then the Asir came into their banquet, and in the high seat sat them down those twelve Asir who were appointed to be judges. These were their names, Thor, and literally 11 other names. I would need a doctorate in this kind of stuff to rattle off. And, you know, out of about 50,000 words in the book, it feels like about 10,000 uh, words are crazy names. How cool those light swords, though, huh? I want some of those for the suck dungeon. I mean, I already have a sword now. I have the sword of the suck. Super cool, but doesn't emit an otherworldly light, which would be kind of nice. I would like to, you know, do my podcast in a warrior, warrior hall with some sword light. God, why can't I just get what I want? All I want is a fucking warrior hall with sword light. Is that so much to ask with the s- swords that light up that don't have batteries or any-, any power source? Why is that so hard? And then there's the uh, Hatatal, 20,000 more words of old poetry, combines three separate songs of praise. Uh, one about uh, King Hakan, a second about Skuli the king's father-in-law and most powerful vassal, and a third celebrating the both of them. And there's life lessons woven in these as well from which practitioners of the faith can draw life lessons from. And why is this book important? Here's why the edit is so important. According to one historical report I came across, uh, before Snorri's time, there existed only separate disjointed biographical monographs on Norwegian kings written on the model of the family sagas of Iceland. Snorri's was a more ambitious task, discerning that the course of life is determined by cause and effect and that in the lives of kings, widely ramified interests, national and dynastic, come into play. He conceived a new idea of saga writing. The seed of cause sown in, in the preceding must yield its, cropped, its crop excuse me, of effect in the sec- uh, seceding reign. This uh, writer of the lives of kings, or this is something the writer of the lives of kings must bear in mind. And so Snorri addresses himself to writing the first pragmatic history of Scandinavia uh, ever penned. And again, I find it interesting with the edit that the real historical figures make appearances. It's kind of like, uh, you know, some parts of the Bible that way. It's real people mixed in with people who may or may not be real. You know, for example, literalists think Adam and Eve were two real people. Others think they were, you know, and by others I mean other Christians think they were, you know, symbolic characters used to illustrate, you know, larger points and used to, you know, in that example, illustrate creation mythology. Uh, adding to the complexity of Snorri's book is that only – uh I think it's seven manuscripts of the Edda have survived to the present day, uh, six compositions uh, from the Middle Ages and another dating to the 1600s. No one manuscript is complete and each has variations of the story. So, you know, in the transcribing process, alterations were made, which reflects kind of the true nature of Norse mythology. You know, it was told in, in one valley differently than it was told in this town. And it was done that you know way for hundreds of years. So just imagine a telephone game. You know, these these characters just kind of evolved, you know, each person adding their little flavor to them. Uh, Before the Vikings started rampaging around Europe, their ancestors, the earlier Germanic tribes, held sway on much of the continent. And they had their own collection of mythical figures, many of whom turned into Norse deities when the time came. That's why the names of German and Norse gods seem so similar and why a lot of the characteristics of the gods and stories get repeated. Many characters are essentially the same with slightly different names. For example, Odin was Woden in German. Uh, His wife Frigg was called Fricka. Uh, Thor was called Tinky Winky, which is uh, you know why German Thor it wasn't nearly as popular as you know Norwegian Thor or a- Icelandic Thor. You know also why while the the Norse Thor is the god of thunder, uh, Tinky Winky is the god of a light breeze, uh, light summer breeze. And you know Thor has a hammer, Tinky Winky has a old nail file. <laughs> uh, the mythology was constantly evolving and evolved differently in various pockets of Scandinavia. But before we get into uh, some of, some of these gods and who they were, who was this snorry fucker? Let's talk about him. Snorri Stol- Sturluson has been called the Homer of the North and the most important Icelander ever. He's also been called the Boner of the South, uh, the King of Kings of the West, and the Jack of Clubs of the East. Uh, I actually, only that first title is true. He is the Homer of the North. And uh, do, do any of you still think I was actually telling the truth about Tinky Winky? Please, please tell me at least one person did. it makes make me so happy. Uh, just like Homer has provided some of the oldest and most complete accounts of the ancient Greek gods to survive from antiquity, from sometime around the 13th century BCE, Snorri has given us the most complete and some of the earliest accounts of the Norse gods. And just like, you know, with ancient Greece and their gods, the tales of the Norse gods existed in an oral tradition for many, many years before Snorri. Snorri was born in 1179. Uh, He was an Icelandic historian, poet, lawyer, and politician. He became the Icelandic equivalent of a British knight. Snorri was the most powerful chieftain in Iceland during the years 1224 uh, through 1230, which is extremely impressive when you consider that in 1223, he was running a hot dog stand. And, uh, you know, he had the least successful hot dog stand in Iceland at that time. He was known as the uh, the flag of fluten, which uh, translates to the man whose wieners no one wants in Old Norse. Uh, of course, that's not true. He was a powerful chieftain, though. In addition to the Prose Edda, he was also the author of the uh, Helmskringla, I just try to like say it in a crazy accent when I do, to make it sound more authentic when, when the word makes no sense to me. A history of the Norwegian kings that begins with legendary mater- material in the Inglinga uh, saga and moves through to the early medieval Scandinavian history. He spent a good deal of time in Norway. He wrote other works as well, uh, easily the most important historian regarding Norse mythology. He wrote of early uh, Icelandic seafarers reaching the coast of North America, uh, known to those of the day as Vinland. And by the way, there is now a lot of evidence that Vikings for sure touch base in North America long before Columbus. They just they just didn't set up a permanent residence for whatever reason. Uh, Snorri was born into Iceland, uh, or born in Iceland into wealth, received an excellent education, married several times, had a lot of kids. Uh, you can still visit some of his old hangouts today in Iceland. A bunch of uh, historically uh, historically preserved places like Snorri's bath in, in Reykult, warm outdoor bathing pool of Snorri Sturluson. One of the first archaeological remains to be listed in Iceland in 1817. Uh, the Bath of Snorri is is now among the uh, best-known heritage sites in the country. Pretty cool. You know, you can dip your balls in the same watering hole that Snorri dipped his balls in. You can dip, your, Or you can dip your vagina in the same water. Snorri sat in where he probably spent a lot of time thinking about vaginas. So that's a pretty cool historical connection. Uh, and then Snorri was assassinated in his house in Rakeholt uh, in the autumn of 1241 after getting his, himself in the middle of... Of uh, some political feuding with local Icelandic clansmen and Norwegian royalty. He had convinced King uh, Håkon of Norway that he could become king of Iceland. And he became Håkon's vassal. Snorri returned to Iceland in 1220. But in the ensuing years, his relations with Håkon deteriorated. And in 1241, by Håkon's order, Snorri was assassinated at the age of 62. Uh, His last words are somewhat famous in Iceland. They are, do not strike. Do not strike. Those are, those are not the last words anyone wants to have, by the way. You're not experiencing a peaceful exit from this realm <laughs> when your last words are, do not strike. Nothing good about that. Nothing fun there. You know, see you on the other side. Or, you know, my love for you does not die with this body. Those are some dope ass last words. I want to have a shot at those last words as opposed to, do not strike. Or, no, no, please, I'll tell you anything. Just don't pull the trigger. Or, what's that giant knife for? Put the drill down. So that's, that's Snorri. The Norse Christian man who documented the Norse non-Christian mythology of the Vikings. The man who compiled all these various old poems and stories into one convenient place and in all likelihood put his spin on them. So who were the Vikings before they were a, uh, you know, respectable but not elite NFL franchise? You know I'm right. Calm down, Minnesota listeners. You know I'm right. I've enjoyed many a Viking football team, but not one Super Bowl. Not one. Randy Moss. Adrian Peterson. Chris Carter. Favre, four appearances, not one win. Someday, uh, we we really will get into the historical Vikings on Time Suck, but today is not that day. Today is a brief overview of actual Vikings to help kind of understand Norse mythology, but a tale of Viking culture and conquest requires at least its own episode, if not several. Uh, Continuing with the definitions provided by NorseMythology.org, the Vikings were seafaring raiders, conquerors, explorers, settlers, traders from modern-day Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and Iceland. Who ventured throughout much of the world during the Viking Age, roughly 793 through 1066 CE? They traveled as far east as Baghdad, as far west as North America. Uh, They spoke the Old Norse language, wrote in runes, and practiced their ancestral religion. Uh, And what are runes? Uh, They are super weird, annoying letters that all the Norse gods' names are written in. So fuck runes. Uh, They're any of the characters of several alphabets used by the Germanic peoples from uh, about the third to the 13th centuries CE. And the Vikings, being Germanic, Had their runes. Uh, Norsemen were Germanic people who inhabited Scandinavia and spoke what is now called the Old Norse language between 800 and 1300 CE. The name Viking comes from a language uh, called, uh, you know, comes from Old Norse and it means a pirate raid. People who went off in raiding ships uh, were said to be going Viking. Vikings left Scandinavia and traveled to other countries such as Britain and Ireland. Some went to fight and steal treasure, others settled uh, in, in new lands as farmers, craftsmen, or traders. Uh, And then years later, the Vikings moved around the northern world, drawn to sail and explore like so many other ancient cultures, looking for wealth, prestige, power, and of course, secret monoatomic lizard gold to appease their shape-shifting Anunnaki overlords. Who are the Norse gods? Space lizards. But of course, northern Anunnaki. Snow lizards. But seriously, though, we have the Vikings to thank for our present understanding, not only of their uh, own pre-Christian religion and mythology, but... uh, you know, of of the other Germanic peoples as well. Thanks to old Norse poems, treatises, and sagas that were written during or relatively soon after the Viking Age, old writings that old Snorri Sturluson was able to compile and refer to when he gathered up all those writings he could find, we have a much, much fuller picture of what the Vikings' religion was, you know, than we do for the religions of of other pre-Christian Germanic peoples. And there is so much more to talk about concerning Vikings, but Vikings wasn't the topic that was voted in today. Norse gods was. Let's talk about them. Who were slash are the Norse gods? Well, first off, there are a lot of Norse gods, and one of them is today's last sponsor, Odin's House of Eye Patches. Whether you're missing an eye, hiding a black eye, or just want to add a little mystery and intrigue to your overall appearance, Odin's House of Eye Patches in Duluth, Minnesota has you covered, and it literally has your eye covered. They have black velvet eye patches, stained glass Pope patches. Vertical pupil space lizard patches, metal eye patches that double as backup hard drives for your mobile device, and triple as working mini drones. They have Bojangles eye patches that cover one of your eyes and allow your other eye to see into the future. All eye patches are no less than $37,000, but put in the code so checkout and then check yourself into a psychiatric facility because you have somehow accessed an e-store that does not exist. That is not today's final sponsor. No, here it is. Timesuck is brought to you by Lisa Mattresses. With a patented universal adaptive feel, Lisa is designed for all types of sleepers and features three premium foam layers, including a two-inch Avena foam top layer for cooling and breathability, a two-inch memory foam middle layer for body contouring and pressure relief, and a six-inch dense core support foam for durability and structure, which works for sleepers of all sizes. And now, Lisa is continuing to expand its offerings to include the Lisa pillow, the blanket, the foundation and frame. No wonder it's a Forbes Top 20 startup company to watch. Try a Lisa mattress in your own home, in your own home, for 100 nights risk-free. Available in the U.S., U.K., Canada, and Germany online with free shipping. This 100% American-made mattress ships compressed in a box right to your door. And then Thor appears and opens it with his thunder hammer. It unfurls itself in the most magical way. It's a bed fit for the Norse gods. Thor would love a Lisa mattress. So check one out at the Lisa Dream Gallery in Soho, New York City, and Virginia Beach, and over 80 West Elm stores nationwide. Get 100 bucks off when you go to l-e-e-s-a dot com slash timesuck. Now, back to the many gods of the North. There are 12 main gods in Norse mythology, and that's just the main ones. I counted 66 different gods and goddesses. Uh, on another Norse website. That was the most I found on a legitimate-looking website. There may be more. Uh, Odin, Thor, Balder, Vidar, Vale, Braj, Hemdall, Ty, Njord, Freyr, Ulr, Forset. Njord and Freyr are, are, are not Asir's, uh, 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 but Veneers living in Asgard. Uh, sometimes uh, Agir and Loki are also considered Asir's, um, uh, being the principal race of the gods. And that's not even counting Bojangles or Luciferina, Winter temptress, lover of Thor, seductress of Odin. Temptress of the suck, god of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and chocolate cake, and fun. Hail Luciferina! hail her so much. Uh, Also, odd thing about the Norse deities, they weren't actually immortal. Uh, In the end, according to legend, they and the world uh, and the universe will be destroyed because of the actions of the evil or mischievous god Loki, who for now endures Promethean chains. Why not just fucking kill him? He's going to ruin everything. Uh, The Norse gods could and did die. Unlike the Greek immortals who lived upon Mount Olympus, their interests weren't the same as those of humans. Uh, They helped and hurt people as they chose. Uh, The deities existed to battle monsters in the outer darkness. And part of their interest in people was gathering enough warriors to help them fight the last battle. Got to recruit more tough peeps for the the Hall of Valhalla to prepare for the final battle for the Ragnarok. Uh, Gods fighting to the death, man. So much fighting in this faith. The Norse deities came in two flavors, the veneer and the Yesir. The veneer were the older fertility gods. They included Freyr, Freya, Njord. Uh, the Asir were more modern warlike gods, including Odin and Thor. Now the Norse told a story of a war between the Veneer and the Asir after the creation mythology of, of the Norse religions, and the deities formed a truce and exchanged members with the result that they fused together and were thereafter collectively known as the Asir. Now some scholars think this story describes a time when two cults struggled against one another and then ultimately the two merged into one now let's talk about some of these individual gods all right this is this is my favorite part of this episode we got king odin odin was the king of the gods he was the, he was the father of most of them and, and in some accounts created everything heaven and earth and human and humans uh these accounts uh excuse me this accounts for his nickname the all father uh he had a special high seat from which from where he can see everything in all the worlds there's nine worlds in the Norse mythology. Only he and his wife Frigg were supposed to sit up there, but occasionally other deities, you know, snuck up when no one was looking. Man, God's getting tricked, man. How's that happening? Come on, bro. You're God. Step it up. If God's getting tricked, how can the rest of us hope to make it through life without getting constantly tricked? Uh, Odin was immensely wise, but his wisdom didn't come cheaply. He, he, he bought a drink from a spring of wisdom at a high price. He had to give one of his eyes. Maybe that's, maybe that's what happened to Bojangles. Maybe fucking Bojangles didn't lose his eye in a battle, with uh i believe it was zeus it's been a little while since the episode of atlantis maybe he maybe he just traded in for some wisdom uh well this is what odin did and then he spent nine days hanging from some special tree pierced by a spear to get even wiser during this experience he symbolically died and was reborn Now, see that that to me feels like that snorri doing some christian revisions with the collecting these stories according to the old story some ancient people who worshiped odin practiced human sacrifice Uh, which they accomplished by hanging their victims from a tree and piercing them with spears, just like Odin was. To gain uh, wisdom, Odin died in the same manner as his sacrificial victims and was reborn. The story of Odin's hanging on Yggdruxil has several elements in common with Christ's crucifixion. Maybe news of Christ seeped into the old tales. Uh, Odin was the god of war and battle, a role that he inherited from the two older Germanic war gods, Woden and Tuaz. He had a magical spear, he sometimes rode around on an eight-legged horse called Sleipnir. You know, I don't I don't know a lot about horses, but eight seems like way too many fucking legs for a horse. What kind of fucked up spider horse was he riding on? You know, some horses have five legs, and they lead mighty fine lives being stud ponies. You know, six legs, you already get at least one too many legs. Eight? How long is this horse's torso? You know, how, how long does it have to be to accommodate that many legs? Is it some kind of wiener dog, horse-spider hybrid thing? More isn't always better. The fastest animals on land always have four legs. You show me an eight-legged cheetah that can hit 200-plus mile per hour on open safari, and I'll cut my own legs off. I'll cut them the hell off. Uh, And King Odin loved to stir up war. He was way more into war than he seemed to be in the Anthony Hopkins portrayal in the Marvel movies. By the way, did you know that Paul Rubens, the guy who played Pee Wee Herman, was originally offered that role? Uh, No, it's probably because he wasn't. If you didn't know that, that's ridiculous. Slain warriors uh, got to go party in Odin's hall, Valhalla. They were brought up there by the Valkyries, warrior women, buxom warrior women who chose only the most heroic warriors for the sauna. Uh, Odin was also the god of poetry. Perhaps one reason why uh, he appears in so many poems, he was responsible for bringing the magical mead of poetry to Asgard, a mighty uh, fortress high above where humans lived. A giant had stolen this mead and sent his daughter to guard it. Odin burrowed into her cave in the form of a snake, and then turned back into his handsome self. I fucking—I told you he was a Nuniki. fucking reptilian shapeshifter, space lizard. But really, according to legend, uh, he snuck in as a snake, then changed back. Uh, wish I wish I could do that. Wish I could turn into a snake. That sounds awesome. Then he spent three days and nights with her. After which he uh, sucked down all the mead he could uh, hold into his mouth, and then he turned into an eagle, even cooler than the snake. And then he flew back to Asgard, spit the meat out into a pot where all the deities uh, could use it. Super weird way to spread poetry, uh, by turning it into beer. However, if you could do that, I bet way more people would be into poetry. Right? It'd be nice if you could get some get fucked up on some stanzas, get get hammered on some quatrains. Uh, then we have the beloved Thor, aka Thor in Old Norse, aka Tinky Winky in Old made up German. Thor. <laughs> Thor was the son of Odin and Earth, which is, you know, pretty dope. I like, what? Who, who did you just say your mom was? Earth. Um, come again? Earth. My mother is Earth. Sorry, not to get uh, too personal, but where is Earth's vagina? The Grand Canyon, you fool. I wanted to guess that, but I didn't want to be rude. So where's her butthole? Roswell. Roswell, New Mexico is Earth's butthole. That's why people there get weird about the aliens and such. Why so many strange folk... How could you not be at least a little left of center when you're living in Earth's butthole? Okay, enough butthole blabber for a bit. While Odin stood for violence and war, Thor represented order. Uh, He was the god people called on if they needed some stability. He was immensely strong and manly. Uh, He carried around a huge hammer called the Mjolnir, which he used to keep the giants in line. No matter how far he flung it, it always returned to his hand, which is awesome. Uh, like a boomerang, he, he could make it small enough to hide inside a shirt. And uh, when he pounds a, a giant with his hammer, we hear it as a thunderclap. So, you know, sometimes when it rains, giants pour out of the fucking woodwork. If there's one thing giants like, it's a good downpour. Very few giants in Los Angeles and Las Vegas. So many giants in Portland Seattle. Maybe that's where, uh, I mean, that's what Sasquatch really is. Maybe it's some rogue Norse giant hiding from Thor's hammer. Or since there's so many thunders, maybe it's maybe it's some rogue Norse giant just constantly getting whooped with Thor's hammer. Uh Thor had a bushy red beard. Gross. He was a ginger. Ugh.
0: Ugh.
1: Just kidding. Uh I don't know why. I had a red-headed friend growing up, and I think I teased him so much that's just stuck in me now. Every time I hear red, I just want to say something shitty for just just to fucking rile people up. Nobody had a bushy red beard, a huge appetite, quick temper. Although he didn't stay angry for long, he was a patron of peasants, uh, god of thunder and lightning, the wheels of his chariot made thunder also. So he's making thunder left and right. Uh lightning lightning, this is so weird. Lightning came from a whetstone lodged into his skull. Uh yep. And and you thought the thunder hammer was weird. Turns out, uh this the lightning forehead rock is a little weirder. Let me tell you a story about lightning. This is from the old old Norse, one of the old Norse sagas. It's about, uh, and they have all kinds of stories like this, you know, tons of stories about lots of action, lots of giant fighting. They really were uh, obsessed with fighting giants. Uh, a lot of sex, a lot of violence, a lot of stuff happening. So this is a story about uh, Hungrier, the brawler, He was the mightiest of all giants. Uh, and I'm probably saying his name wrong. It's H-R-U-N-G-N-I-R. So you know what? You have fun with that one at home. I'm going to say Hrungnir, uh, Hrungnir. He was the mightiest of all giants, you know. And uh, the animating spirits of darkness, winter, night, and the grave who are are the enemies of the gods. And one day, uh, Hrungnir uh, was paid a visit in Jatunheim, the homeland of the giants, by Odin. Hrungnir didn't recognize the god at first and instead wondered aloud who the stranger might be whose horse could ride through the air and the water. As he had seen the spider horse do at god's approach. Odin bet his head that his horse, none other than the eight-legged creepy spider horse Sleipnir, could outrun any regular horse in Jotunheim, the realm of giants. Well, Hrungnir was insulted by this provocation and straight away accepted the bet and mounted his own horse, Golfaxi, the golden mane. And the two raced through mud and streams over steep rocky hills and between the trees and thick woodlands. Before the giant realized it, he had passed through the gates of Asgard, home of the gods. And of course, he still hadn't caught up with Odin and Sleipnir. Sleipnir. The gods, seemingly in good cheer, invited him to drink with them. Because that's what you do when a random giant just shows up in your valley. Hey, why don't you get in here and have some mead? After he'd become drunk, he became belligerent. Typical giant. Classic giant move. Boasted that he could kill all the gods. And that he would kill all the gods except for Freya and Sif, the wife of Thor. These two lovely goddesses he would carry back to Jotunheim. Freya alone was stout of heart enough to continue filling his horn of mead. Next, he bellowed that he would drink every last drop of the god's ale. The gods soon grew tired of his anger and sent for Thor, who had been elsewhere fighting other giants. That's when you know you're a badass. When the gods call upon you to beat a giant's ass, and you're in the middle of beating other giants' uh, giants' asses, and you got to come back and beat a giant so scary that the other gods are afraid to fight it. That's, that's when you're a true warrior. Well, when Thor arrived and discovered the situation, lifted his hammer, and he pre- prepared to slay Hrungnir right there on the spot, and then the bellicose... A giant accused Thor of cowardice for intending to kill someone who was himself unarmed and said, Your name would be held in far higher honor if you will accept my challenge to a duel. Never one to lose an opportunity to gain renown and prove his abilities, Thor accepted. When the arranged time had arrived, Frongnir walked to the field near Jotunheim, where the duel was to be held. He wore stone armor, brandished a stone shield, and menacingly waved a whetstone, his chosen weapon, in the air above him. Whetstone, by the way is the large flat stone you use to sharpen knives with. Weird choice for a weapon, uh, choosing a weapon accessory. It's like you just don't understand what a weapon is. And what weapon would you prefer, the shotgun or the sword? I'll take the gunball snake and some cleaning oil. Or perhaps the, perhaps the sword scabbard. Do you even know what weapons are? Fine, I'll take the garden hose. Just just take the sword. No, I, I prefer the rubber band there. No, not, no, not that one, the smaller one. The smaller dried out one that would break easily. Uh, suddenly, he uh, <laughs> this giant, you see lightning and, and, and heard the thunderclap above him. And, and then Thor raced onto the battlefield. Thor hurled his hammer at the giant. The giant slung his whetstone at the god. The stone burst against Thor's forehead and shattered into pieces. And this is the origin of all flint on earth. So, I don't know. I guess now I get the reason for the whetstone. I had to explain flint somehow. Uh, Thor's hammer struck Hrungnir's head. But this time it was the giant's head that was shattered. Uh, But a piece of Hrungnir's whetstone was lodged into Thor's forehead. So Thor sought out the sorceress Groa, the thriving, who sang spells over the stone to remove it from the god's brow. When Thor felt the stone moving, he told the sorceress many joyous things to encourage her chiefly that he had encountered her lost husband, who would soon be home. But Groa was, uh, was so overcome with emotion upon hearing this that she forgot her chance and the rock remained lodged in Thor's face until his death at Ragnarok. Now, this, is, this stuff is always so weird with me with old stories. It's like you you can – let me get this straight. You can just destroy a giant with, like into a million pieces with your hammer and, you know, you can you have all these magical abilities, but you you can't get a piece of stone out of your head. Like you can't find a decent doctor. Like maybe, you know, maybe spells aren't the best way to cure head wounds. You know, an, an issue of Pootie and Juju, uh, issue number 1017, Pootie versus Juju hammer time was loosely based on the story I just told you huh. years later rap prodigy MC Hammer uh, would base his name and the name of his diamond selling album Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him also on this issue of Pootie and Juju in the famous issue Pootie and Juju are in the living room and then Juju asked Pootie to hand him the hammer uh, so he could hang a picture of his beloved Aunt Ting Tang on the wall above the fireplace and Pootie instead of handing Juju the hammer hammered Juju in the face and when Juju regained consciousness and his face stopped bleeding uh, so much bleeding about 20 minutes later he was furious. This was at least the 50th time Pootie had hammered him in the face just that week alone, and he was sick of it. Juju could take a joke as well as next cartoon character, but this was ridiculous. No one should have to have their face hammered for someone else's amusement. And Juju screamed, no more face hammering, Pootie. And then Pooty said, I already said I was sorry when you were taking your hammer nap. And then Juju screamed, too little, too little, Pootie. And then they fought, each struggling for control of the hammer until Thor showed up. And Thor screamed, stop fighting and drink Ovaltine, the vitamin-fortified beverage for healthy families. And the only beverage served in the halls of Valhalla. And he said that because Ovaltine had sponsored that issue. And then Pootie and Juju each slurped down some tasty Ovaltine. And then new Thor hammers appeared in both their hands because they had so many vitamins in their system. Their bodies just made it. And then they had a vitamin-filled hammer fight for 23 pages. And then Thor... Who didn't understand what was happening said, I'm, "I am needed somewhere else," even though he wasn't, and he awkwardly walked out. And then Pootie stared blankly into the middle distance, and Juju thought about Aunt Ting Tang and wept. And uh, and that's all that happened. And then it just ended. And that's I, you know what I said. It was loosely based. Okay, that issue was loosely based on the Thor fight. Anyways, back to the real Thor. There, there, the uh, Thor would kill lots of giants with his hammer. Uh, once the king of the frost giants stole Thor's hammer. And then the king refused to give it back unless he could have Freya for his wife. And the gods agreed, but they tricked the giant. They tricked him by having Thor dressing up as a bride. And, and then Loki as his bridesmaid, and the two of them went to the giant's hall. And the giants invited them to sit down at the table. And then Thor proceeded to devour all the food and drink, all the meat, in a most unbridled manner. And Loki claimed that Freya, quote-unquote, hadn't eaten in days. And she was just so excited about her wedding. And captivated, the giant king called for Thor's hammer so that they could swear their marriage vows on it. Thor instantly grabbed it, ripped off his veil, killed all the giants at the feast. Man, those giants were fucking dumb. Uh, How would you think that Thor was a woman? Thor is the least woman-looking, you know, person. You know, he does not look like a woman unless you've seen a woman that I haven't who looks like Lou Ferrigno during his bodybuilding prime. Uh, So while his dad has an eight-legged spider horse thingy. He rides around Odin. Thor has an even more interesting method of transportation. He has a goat-drawn chariot. <laughs> and I know you might be thinking, how could goats be more interesting than an eight-legged spider horse? Well, they're pretty cool goats. As goats go, pretty cool. They're edible, rebuildable goats. Thor's two magical goats are known as the Tooth-Nasher and the Tooth-Grinder. They can be killed, eaten, and reconstituted the next morning. How great would that be? they have a perpetual snack haul you around. Like I love grass-fed uh you know beef. I love grass-fed beef steak. How cool would it be to have two badass bulls, you know? Just pull me around and then when I get hungry, you know I just kill them, eat some filet mignon, and have a, maybe a tasty burger, right? Get some get some ribs, throw some ribs on the grill. And then the next morning, they just they're fucking back, and then they just pull my cherry again. They're not even they're not even irritated. There's not there's not even any weird like energy about like those fucked up how you ate me last night. They're just they're just cool, man. Everything's cool again. And then there's uh, Hemdal, the divine watchman, keeping an eye for the approach of his enemies. He who guards the rainbow bridge that leads to Asgard, he will blow his mighty horn at the onset of Ragnarok, the final battle that ends the universe. Uh, his hearing is mysteriously sunk in Mimur's well, just like Odin's lost eye, but somehow he can still hear so clear. That he can quote uh, hear wool grow on a sheep's back. That sounds terrible. That sounds like the worst kind of hearing you could have, right? Like if, if you can hear wool grow on a sheep's back, I'm going to assume that the world is always too loud for you, like like way too loud all of the time. Man, if I was one of the other gods, I would just constantly sneak up on him and just yell in you know Hemdollar's ear, just smash my hammer on a rock near his head, blow out his eardrums. Uh, Uh, Hymdoller is responsible for establishing social hierarchy among humans. There's an old poem in which he goes around and spends three nights in the mortal world. One night in a nobleman's hut, uh, one night in a peasant's hut, one night in a farmer's hut. Each night he sleeps between the couple in bed, and each night he gets the wife pregnant. Uh, He sounds like a creep. Why does does he have to sleep with the wives right there next to the husbands? It sounds like this guy had some serious psychological issues. Uh, He's also somehow the son of nine different mothers who are also all sisters. That's uh, that's interesting. How do you pull that off? How do you come out of nine separate vaginas simultaneously? That's even creepier that you're coming out of nine separate sister vaginas. You know, maybe I guess that's one of the ways, you know, you're a God when you can come out of multiple vaginas at the same time. I don't know. Maybe these sisters were Siamese non-tuplets, nine heads, one vagina. And then he came out of that. Whew, man, by the way, that's a horrible head to vagina ratio. I try to be accepting, not judging about physical abnormalities, but if you have, uh, nine vaginas and one head. You need to either get more heads, or you need to get less vaginas. Wait, well, I think I had that backwards. It'd be if you have nine heads and one, one vagina, you got to lose. You got to lose several heads at least. You got to get down to at least two heads. Got we- <laughs> to weed some of that out. Then there's Loki, Odin's blood brother. Some source stories and his adopted son and others. See, that's again that's interesting about the, uh, the Norse stories, where in some of some of the old uh, sagas, he's a blood brother. Sometimes he's a adopted son. Uh, he had something to do with killing Balder and he gets tied up in Ragnarok. Or until Ragnarok. When Ragnarok happens, he gets untied. Then he sides with the giants and fights against the gods. What a dick. He's always getting the gods in trouble. He's exceptionally cunning. He's a son of a goddess and a giant. So many giants in this mythology. Sometimes he's a man. Sometimes he's a woman. He wants to get pregnant from eating a half-cooked female heart. That's even weirder than the fucking spider horse. By the way, that's, that's what he gives birth to. He's the mother of the eight-legged spider horse, Sleipnir. They don't really get into that in the Marvel movies. That would be an odd scene when thor's adopted brother suddenly pops out an eight-legged horse out of his man vagina and then his adoptive father rides <laughs> rides around i get i totally get why they left that out that's that's hard to set up in in that movie you know what if what if one producer really wanted it though like one you know purist just wouldn't let it go what what about the spider horse joe it doesn't work for the movie oh, come on let him have a spider horse baby joe the movie's already over 2 hours long Trying to explain a fucking spider horse, baby, is going to take 30 minutes. Easy. Well, just give Thor a pogo stick then instead of a hammer if you don't fucking give a shit about accuracy. Come on, Joe. That's not the same when you know it. I want a spider horse. I hope that argument happened. Uh, then you have Frigg, Odin's wife, the most important goddess. She was the queen of uh, Asir, of the Asir, the goddess of the sky. She was also known as the goddess of fertility. Household motherhood, uh, or, or the household, motherhood, love, marriage, domestic arts. Some of these domains were also overseen by another Norse goddess named uh, Frejja. Norse mythology, Frigg's primary roles were familial roles, uh, mostly surrounding her husband and children. Frigg represents family. She's known as a source of nurturing, patient, and devoted love. Even in situations where fate is already set, such as her son's untimely death, uh, Frigg uh, still did everything that she could do to alter fate. Frigg's main symbols include the full moon, the sky, the spinning wheel and spindle, mistletoe, silver. Uh, many of which are shown in artistic representations of this goddess. And she got around in a chariot drawn by 10 legless ferrets. Uh, these little legless ferrets would slither around like little squirrel snakes. And it would take Frigg way longer to get places than most other gods. It was a terrible way to fucking call a chariot around. Usually she would just give up and end up walking. She's like, you know what? My fucking snake ferrets will get here when they get here, bros. Hold on. Easy. Calm down, bros. I had it. Yeah, I'm late. Of course I'm late again. I'm like I have to travel around snake ferrets, so chill out. And that frustration uh, of you know having to do that led her to become the goddess of Uber. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea how she got around. I made all that. Uh, I don't think she had any special transportation method. Uh, there's a uh, one of the veneer god of the sea. Njodr, man, it's like it's like they had to it's like they had to pay somebody if they had to use a vowel over there. Check out that word. One, four consonants, one vowel. He watches over fishermen. He can quiet winds. One of the attributes listed for Nijor is uh, I have no idea that's how you say his name, by the way. Some of these I just couldn't find pronunciation videos. And, and then some of you guys I know get real sticklers for that. Why don't you take some time? Because it sometimes takes fucking hours for one word. You sons of bitches. That's why. Uh I try to focus on the story. Some of these stories <laughs> to get to an hour and a half podcast, there's like 120 goddamn crazy names. Uh so one of the, one of the attributes listed for this son of a bitch is that he has exceptionally clean feet. that's that's one of the books a quote it has says attributes colon exceptionally clean feet they've been washed clean by the sea Uh, he's also described as not being fond of mountains man what are what what are sad attributes holy shit and and what do you do i am the god of thunder i wield a great hammer and giants quake at my sight and what is your power i help people fish a little bit and make winds not as noisy, and that's, look, that's not all, don't roll your eyes, look at my feet, behold, these are what very clean feet look like, not one pedicure, not, not one mani-pedi, and yet my feet are so very clean, they're so much cleaner than your feet, and also I do not care for mountains much, I'm not fond of them. Ah, that's some weird descriptions. Uh, there's Freyr, one of the veneer, handsome, mentioned as a war leader, but in Sweden, chiefly in charge of the crops, weather, and harvests. One uh, of his attributes, he gave his sword away at some point, and, he, and he's got to fight with some deer antlers at, at Ragnarok in the final battle. It's like, that's preordained. Uh, also had a huge, an insanely huge dick. Uh, all all the, all idols of him have just massive penises. It's an interesting combo. It's like, okay, here's the good news, buddy. Here's the good news. You're gonna get a big win. You're gonna get the biggest win. Uh, however, you don't get to have a sword for the final battle. You get antlers, or you can use your wean sword. That's that's your choice. I mean, if you're if you're comfortable swinging your wean around like some kind of sword, then you can fight that way. But yeah, man, it sucked to have the deer antlers. I am God. However, I must fight in a land of so many swords. I must, for some reason, fight with deer antlers, which I'm gonna be honest. It's gonna be really irritating. Probably gonna die quick in in the battle. Probably immediately. Good chance I'll be the I'll be the first to die with my allies. Uh, there, there's there's uh, Freya, one of the Venera goddess closely associated with sexuality. Uh, she fucks almost every other god in various old tales. Loves getting it on. Good for her, man. Maybe that's old Norse for Freya uh, Freya's good to invoke in the affairs of the heart. Fond of love songs. Chooses half of the slain in battles to to put together. You know, for the final war, she chooses them along with Odin. You know, to bring to the halls of Valhalla. She weeps tears of gold, arguably the best kind of tears. Wish I could make some money, you know, when I get sad. Uh, she gets around uh, via a chariot drawn by cats. That one I'm not making up. Uh, cats is how she gets around. What's with the weird animals and chariots? Did they just have a hard time finding horses? Uh, re- rebuildable goats are pretty sweet, but cats? I just, I just can't see cats doing a good job of hauling a chariot around. I feel like they would just lay down, just look irritated, you know, just be cats and just stare at you. Uh, just, you know, annoyed instead of pulling the chariot. I would much rather have edible, rebuildable goats than cats. Uh, there's also Balder, the son of Odin and Frigga, especially favored and loved by nearly every being in the world. Uh, he was also the first god to die, though, killed by Loki's treachery. There's Tyr, who presided over public assemblies, legal matters, and battles. His hand was bitten off by Fenrir the wolf, a monstrous enemy of the gods. Man, even the gods can lose hands. That's unfortunate. I would think one of the best parts of being a god is being able to keep your hands. Uh, Hel was the goddess of the netherworld. Half her face had human features. The other half was blank and blue as a corpse. She ruled the dead. And then there's a lot of other gods. And then there's, you know, different versions of each god. Old Snorri may have collected a lot of, uh, you know, different old poems into one book, but it wasn't the only book on Norse gods. And when you have a very complicated and elaborate mythology, and then different versions of the same mythology, you are bound to have a lot of disagreements. And I have a feeling those disagreements are going to produce some fantastic arguments on this week's Idiots of the Internet. Of the internet. Internet. internet under a video titled Norse legends some modern Norse believers get real shitty real quick in the comments uh, user Kohan Killets goes right for the jugular posting your god was nailed to a cross my god wields a hammer any questions? wow coming in hot dude why you gotta shit on Jesus? I'm not religious, but come on, Christianity, way more established as an organized religion, as fragmented as it may be, than Norse mythology. So, you know, hop down off your high, eight-legged spider horse. Uh, Another angry Viking, user Dome and Metal, posts more anti-Christian fury. going all caps, lots of question marks, LIVING GOD, HE IS DEAD. And then lowercase, anyway, so many dots. Your God is nailed to the cross, and my God have a hammer. Any coincidence? Dot, 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 dot. And my gods will rise again and to slaughter Christian dogs. Whoa. Whoa, easy, buddy. Yeah, your god has a hammer. He also has a weird hunk of rock in his head and he gets around via a goat chariot. So again, let's get down off your high, edible, rebuildable goat fucking chariot and calm the fuck down. Uh, User Dutch 10469 simply posts, Hail Odin. Lots of posts like this under these comments. Hail Odin. And then Harrison MacArthur posts, Hail Thor. Alexandras megas post hail loki thule dragon 666 post hail wotan the old germanic odin and then i posted hail nimrod because i just think that's kind of funny i just thought it was fun fun to throw that in there because i know there's gonna be a couple of those norse nerds who are just racking their brains trying to figure out which norse god nimrod is uh you know the more i research this topic i gotta say the more norse gods uh started sounding like dungeons and dragons to me and then, I, and then I realized why. Of course it sounds like Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, he of the Lord of the Rings fame, was obsessed with studying mythology. And uh, he really loved Norse mythology, and, and he knew it well. And the world of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, you know, comes from from his world of elves and dwarves and giants and the variety of magical creatures. And Tolkien uh, took a lot of uh, his world from Norse mythology. Uh, and we're going to talk soon about Norse mythology, about how it lives as a modern religion— uh, our own editor Jesse Dobner practices a version of it, and at first I had a real hard time taking any of this stuff seriously, but then I read the post of user Rookie, whose post still sounds more believable than the Bible, and while I disagree with that statement in that post, uh, I, I don't think this stuff sounds more, more believable than the Bible, I do have to accept I realize that all religion inherently sounds crazy to those not raised in it or raised in the culture of it. Right? Like, is a giant killing dude with a warhammer getting pulled around by, by uh, you know, uh, goats pretty over the top? Uh, yeah, sure is. But so is a talking burning bush. You know, so is a God that feels he has to sacrifice uh, his fish multiplying son so that we can live forever. You know, when it's not your religion, it all sounds silly. Uh, that being said, even by fantastical religious standards, some of the shit is just pretty intense, pretty out there. And, uh, and on top of that, it doesn't seem to have, you know, uh, a certain amount of structure organization. The old sources conflict in their re- reports regarding which god did what. Uh, like, for example, there's no formal agreed-upon concept of an afterlife in Norse mythology. There's Valhalla, where warriors reside, in, you know, until the final doomed battle, you know, starts off and then the universe ends. And then a new universe may be reborn, but that's only in one old poem. That Snorri may have tweaked, and then nothing is said of what happens in this new universe, if there is going to be one. Uh, there's hell with one L an underworld beneath the ground presided over a uh, presided over by a goddess of the same name you know but but no one's getting tortured, no gnashing of, of teeth going on. And what did the dead do in hell or other local variations thereof? Well, they typically just eat drink, carouse, fight, sleep, practice magic and generally do all the things that living uh, Viking age men and women do. Uh, so it really doesn't sound that bad. Uh, I guess if hell is real, please let it be Viking hell. Uh, The lines between these various abodes of the dead are quite blurry. There's no consistent picture of who decides where a particular person goes after death, how the decision is even made. Uh, An oft-repeated line is that those who die in battle are thought to go to Valhalla, whereas those who die of other more peaceful causes go to hell. Uh, Leaving aside the fact that this excludes all of the other places to uh, which the dead are are thought to potentially go, this artificially kind of tidy distinction was first made by Snorri Sturluson. You know, so, so, you know, he kind of maybe just added that to the Norse mythology. I mean, he, he is, he was known for attempting to impose a kind of a systemization on his source material that wasn't present in the sources. So again, you know, there's just a lot of confusing texts, which will surely be argued over, uh, you know, uh, like, like in, in the hell comment section, look how confusing it gets <laughs> uh, in this section, just over the concept of hell itself. Drew Wynia uh, posts, can someone answer me this? Why did, why did Balder go to hell? They say it's for evil men, and yet even Baldur goes there. And then user I'm not Josh May replies, hell is for anyone who dies without honor, more like purgatory. Since Baldur did not die in battle, he died without honor. And then Valerie uh, Vasilyu posts, my understanding of hell is simply that it's a place for those who do not die in battle. That doesn't mean without honor. You can be an honorable person and just not die in battle. And then Cheeky Monkey posts, I think it is just not Asgard. One for warriors, one for everyone else. Uh, are the women warriors there too? And then I'm not Josh May replies, yeah, that's a good description. Many people believe that Norse women fought alongside men, but historical evidence is spotty at best. And then the final replies from Ethan Quirk, who says hell just means deep underground and it's not torture machines and snake poison. That's just one area of it. It's kind of like limbo that anyone who isn't chosen by the Valkyries to fight in Ragnarok goes since the Valkyries only choose people who die in battle. (laughs) You know, so it's like. So it's just, you know, there's just all these like, well, I think it's, I think it's this. No, I think it's kind of this, but I don't know. It doesn't really say this. But you know what I love about it? This thread and, and so many others I saw under these Norse videos, kindness, seriously. While I let off this idiots uh, of the internet segment with 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 by with a few assholes, you know, uh, by and large, the majority of the comments under the Norse videos, super respectful, pretty cool. And the more I would read these comments, the more I came to respect the believers in Thor and Odin and the others. And it just kind of reminded me in a weird way of us, of the cult of the curious. You know, maybe sometimes religion doesn't need to answer all of life's deeper mysteries. Maybe it doesn't need to make a whole hell of a lot of sense. Maybe it can just be a collection of cool stories to make you feel better about your life and more connected to others. You know, like yourself when you hear them. Maybe that's comfort enough. Maybe just like the, the, you know, being part of a tradition. Maybe listening to tales that remind you to strive to be a better person can be religion enough. You know, while I just, while I see a bunch of odd tales of giant killing and strange, you know, transportation methods. Others interpret life lessons regarding how to live with honor, how to live a warrior's life, fight for what you want in life. Please, Odin, Thor, and the gods, bring honor to yourself. You know, and if that makes you a better man or a better woman, who am I to fucking judge? You know, the Norse stuff never goes into Scientology or into other cult realms of alienation and control, which I do despise. No, it's just, it's fun. The characters are pretty cool. Worshiping Thor is kind of like having Batman for a god, you know, in a way. So maybe this North mythology isn't so silly after all. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and I don't really understand why you'd worship gods that are just going to die in a final battle anyway. But if you get something wonderful out of it, hey, you know, whatever floats your Viking longship. So, you know, a little bit of kindness for a change on this week's Idiots of the Internet.
0: Idiots of the Internet. Internet.
1: Are are you confused by any of this? Uh, Well, you're not alone. Uh, It's inherently confusing. Before moving on to talk a bit about people who practice the Norse religion today, let's summarize uh, North mythology again. Uh, thank God for Cliff's uh, Notes. I found the Cliff's Notes, North Mythology Online. They provided the best summary of Norse mythology that I could find. So here we go. Uh, At first, there was only a great void, but to the north of this void, there formed a region of mist and ice, while to the south grew a region of fire. Nilfheim was the name of the north, and Muspelsheim of the south. And the heat from the latter melted some of the ice of the former, which shaped Ymir, the frost giant, with a human form. From Ymir's sweat came the race of giants. And as the glacial ice melted further, a huge cow was created to feed the giants. The cow, in turn, was fed by salt contained in the ice. One day, it licked the ice, and hair emerged. On the next day, a head, and on the third day, Burr emerged, fully formed. <laughs> is, it, is it getting more confusing? I just there's nothing I can do. This is just what it. This is the source material I'm dealing with. Burr had a son, Buri, who had three sons, Odin, Vili, Vey. These three were a new race, not giants, but gods. They banded together and murdered Ymir. Most of the other giants drowned in Ymir's blood, which created the great sea. From Ymir's body, the three gods made solid land, the earth, and from Ymir's skull, they made the vault of the heavens. Odin and his brothers then created the race of dwarves from the maggots in Ymir's body. That's kind of fucked up, man. If you're a dwarf, like you, you were originally formed from maggots. Uh, sorry, that's what's, what's in our words. Other gods joined these three, and they together erected Asgard in all its halls to be their home. Having established their supremacy, the gods made the first mortal, shaping a man from an ash tree and a woman from a vine. These gods bestowed breath, energy, a soul, reason, warmth, penises, vaginas, freshness on the first couple. I added the penises and the vaginas. And from their male descendants, Odin chose only the bravest to live in Asgard after they died, for these warriors would aid him in the final showdown with the forces of evil, Ragnarok. The cosmos was supported by a tremendous ash tree, Yggdrasil. <laughs> one of its roots extended to Nilfheim, Nilfheim which was the netherworld. Another to Hjotunheim, the dwelling place of giants. Another to Midgard, the home of man, and one to Asgard, the home of the gods. How bad is this making some of you want to watch Lord of the Rings trilogy again? Right? So D&D. Who wants to watch The Hobbit right now? Odin knew the power of the gods was not eternal, for he and his comrades would die when the giants and demons rose against them. The last fight, Ragnarok, would take place at Figrid, a field 100 miles in length and breadth. Odin would be swallowed by Fenrir, or Fenrir, the wolf, but his son would avenge him. Thor and the Midgard serpent would destroy each other. So would Loki and Hamdall. And Tyr would slay Garm, the fierce dog of nelfam and be clawed to death in turn. The stars and all heavenly bodies would plummet from the sky as the earth sank beneath the sea. The twilight of the gods would become night, and the universe would exist no more. Yet there still existed a power, the Nameless One, that would give birth to a new world beyond the edge of time. Uh, yeah. So that's the summary. Ton of stories, but that's the gist. <laughs> so if you're still confused... Ah, fucking, I, I don't have to tell you. It's confusing shit. So now let's talk about the modern practice of this religion, right? Odinism and Asatru. Now, those are the two main terms to describe the modern pra- worship of Norse gods. I've leaned heavily on a Vice article. Jesse sent my way for explanation. So together, Odinism and Asatru uh, constitute the largest non-Christian religion in Iceland, where some of the believers see the old stories as metaphors. Others worship the various old Norse gods, uh, you know, just directly. Uh, officially recognized by Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. This uh, religion's gaining steam in America as well where Thor's hammer is now allowed, allowed to be carved onto military gravestones. Prisoners are granted special accommodations to carry out rituals. Uh, I literally saw a Thor's hammer decal on a truck today when I grabbed coffee. A uh, special note on Odinism. Uh, there is a dark side uh, to it. When I when I see the word Odinist, the red flags go off, says Joshua Rude, an expert at Old Norse religion at the University of Iceland. A lot of people who don't know any better, usually very few people, will consider themselves Odinists because they like Odin. They think he's cool, but they have no idea they're referring to themselves by a term that's connected to a movement that's racist. He says uh, to understand Odinism and the way it has become a religion entangled with racism, exclusion, and American prison culture. You got to go back to the old Scandinavian pagans in the mid-1800s. There was this nationalistic climate uh, in Scandinavia that, that led these countries to rediscover their own historical religions. They found something to call their own Norse gods and rebirthed the religion into Germanic neo-paganism. In 1936, Australian author Alexander Rudd Mills established the first Anglican Church of Odin, which claimed Odinism as the indigenous religion of the Northern European people. In his opening liturgical text, he mentioned the fall from grace of the white race by being untrue to the spirit of their forefathers. Uh-oh! Uh Uh-oh, never good when you hear terms like white race and forefathers thrown together too closely in a document. Uh, After Alex's death in 1971, uh, he moved to the United States and published the Odinist newsletter. The return to Norse gods was regaining steam. In 1972, an Icelandic farmer founded the uh, Asatru Fellowship, a spinoff of Odinism which was granted recognition as an official religion in Iceland. While many components are the same as Odinism, including the celebration of Blót, a big pagan feast and celebration, the worshiping of Norse gods, the same moot horn blasts and mead horn gulps, the religion wasn't based on an indigenous claim. Uh, The Asatru has a holistic environmental touch, and they feel very closely connected to Mother Earth, says Michael Nielsen, a professor of Viking history at Copenhagen University in an email. Uh, All are welcome no matter your heritage or color. But then a few years later, 1976, American Stephen McNallan also adopted the term Asatru for the creation of his own organization, the Asatru Folk Assembly, a nonprofit organization based in Nevada City, California. And uh, he says, I found the Norse system of courage, honor, and daring much more compelling than the submission and submergence of the individual I saw in Christianity. Uh, and then there's the Odinists. Now, Odinists claim they're opposed to racism, but they define racism very differently from the average person, says Josh Root. Uh, they say, we're not racist. We just believe in keeping ethnicity separate, uh, which, of course, uh, is racist. Uh, McNallan's point of view, which mirrors that of Odinist organizations both in America and Europe, is that everyone has their own culture and that we should stick to it. I do not believe we are born a tabula rasa or blank slate, writes McNallan. We are the latest edition of our ancestors in this slice of space and time. Our native culture or a local uh, or a logical permutation of it is the one that suits us best because it arises from our very soul. Despite the fact that uh, that McNallan's ancestors have been in America for 200 years, his bloodline was in Europe for 40,000 years before that, and thus he argues his ancestral line transcends space, time, and mortality. For his part, McNallan says he's never claimed that non-Europeans cannot practice Asatru, but I wonder why they would want to follow European native religions rather than you know, entirely valid and worthy native religions of their own ancestors. I wonder what their own ancestors must feel at being slighted so. I do not understand that line of thinking at all. Why do some people care so much about their ancestors? They're fucking dead. Uh, They're not, they don't, I don't, I really don't feel like they care what you do. You know, like when I, when I'm dead, if I'm off in some other place, I'm not going to be like, Oh "Oh, man, I'm pissed today at my great, great, great grandson. I don't care for what he's doing. I wanted him to to go into comedy and he's working at tech shop. You know, what the fuck? What, what, who cares? You know, I don't get, and, and I don't give a shit what my dad or grandpa thinks about uh, how you're supposed to live your life spiritually. I don't care what my great-grandpa, great-great-grandpa. I'm my own person with my own mind. (laughs) You know, it's like, and a belief system being around a long time, like having us, oh, I was in Europe for 40,000 years. That's not a good reason to keep believing it. I've never understood that logic either. Something being around for a long time doesn't mean it's good. Plenty of shitty ideas have stayed around for a long, long time. Widespread racism and sexism have been around a long time. They've been key components of belief systems for millennia. No intelligent person thinks that we should keep them going forward. This MacNallan guy just sounds like a huge tool. Uh, so while the European follows of Asatru, a worship Thor without the emphasis on racial or ethnic heritage, the Asatrus in America look more like Odinists who emphasize racial heritage. It all kind of gets confusing. And one person says, one scholar says, "I feel a bit sorry for both movements." Uh, the idea, <laughs> unfortunately, for people who, you know, like our editor Jesse, who are not racist at all, and just uh, this is what they've chosen to uh, base their spirituality in, it's unfortunate for for him and others that this idea has caught on in American prisons. The Holy Nation of Odin uh, is a nonprofit church that worships the old Norse gods, is run by Casper Crowell from his prison cell in California's maximum security uh, Corcoran State Prison. Crowell is uh, Crowell is serving a 54-year-to-life sentence as a California three-strikes offender. Final strike coming when he shot a man in Palm Springs in 1995. Yeah, that'll, that'll get you a solid third strike uh, shooting somebody. So that's not good. It's never good to have a lot of murderers in your faith's upper executive levels. Uh, Crowell is a former member of the Aryan Brotherhood. He left because it wasn't as pure as he'd like. Instead, he turned to the teachings of David Lane, the white nationalistic founder of the order who was serving a 190-year sentence for the 1984 murder of liberal radio host Alan Burke. Uh, Lane also famously coined the term that particularly resonated with Crowell, these so-called 14 words, we must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children. Ugh, these fucking ass clowns. Uh, Not shocking then that the followers of Odinism aren't known as being the best people. Glenn Cross, 73-year-old who killed three people at Jewish institutions in Kansas. Uh, wears a Thor's hammer medallion. Ryan Jarreau, who killed one and wounded five in a shooting spree at an Arizona motel, has Thor's hammer tattooed on his chin. According to some reports, uh, 15% of American Odinists are overtly racist. Uh, That last number actually isn't crazily shocking to me because I I think probably at least 15% of Americans in general are overtly racist. So, you know, so we don't need to get uh, too hard on all of the Odinists. You know, I'm sure there's probably plenty of them who uh, are not racist. So, you know, to wrap this up, Uh, worship the Norse gods, man, if it gives you some kind of peace, but you know, don't just don't think that Thor is a symbol of white power. Don't go, don't go that far. Uh, I learned a lot this week. Uh, I, I knew people had been finding Jesus in jails and prisons for years. I had no idea they were also finding Thor. Uh, me personally, I'm gonna stick with Nimrod. I'm cool with Nimrod. My editor, Jesse, he's cool with Nimrod, but he's going to stick as an, uh, uh, a satruar, a satruar. Uh, I, I interviewed him a bit via email and he sent back some great stuff regarding like what it means for him personally to worship the Norse gods. So one question I asked Jesse was, how do you practice this religion today? And he said, I barely practice it in a way that is as rigid as Judeo-Christian sets of worship. Uh, There are feast days or blots or excuse me, bloats, pronounced like bloat, becomes from the same root as bless. Uh, Okay. It's B-L-O-T-S, uh, pronounced as bloat. That's okay. Again, another fun word. And since I'm a solitary practitioner, I, I, I don't really do those as much. An exception is Yule, which is Christmas. Basically it lasts for 12 days and each day has a focus. Aside from that, I do weekly devotions. Odin gets a glass of wine, vodka, or mead. Thor gets a beer, or really anything that uh, I feel he might like. I've given him energy drinks and even chocolate milk. Uh, have you tried chocolate milk lately? Stuff is delicious. Actually, I have, Jesse. I, I have some lactose-free chocolate milk in the fridge. It is fucking incredible. Uh, it's controversial, but I give uh, a drink to Loki as well. <laughs> he causes problems, but everyone uh, usually ends up better, you know, than, than where they are than where they started because of him. He usually get something sugary, energy drinks, or Red Bull. Another more active form of worship is doing things those gods would approve of. Wednesdays, you know, I study or something, Thursdays, help someone move, carry an old woman's groceries, help the poor. Little, little harder to pull off with Loki, admittedly. Uh, I asked him, Do you pray? He says, I, I do, usually just for thanks. Thanks for making me a certain way, thanks for helping me achieve something. I assume they have a high level of influence, so I thank instead of ask. Would you rather have someone leave you thank you notes or request you uh, or request things? That's a good point. Uh, Only rarely do I ask for direct help, like when I'm getting on a plane. Then I ask for the whole plane to arrive safely, not just me. Okay, that's cool. Uh, Is there an uh, Asatru equivalent to the Ten Commandments? You bet, Jesse says, the nine noble virtues. It is a modern convention, but if you look in the Eddas and the uh, Havamal, you see these themes again and again it's courage, truth, honor, fidelity, discipline, hospitality, self-reliance, industriousness, and perseverance. What code of ethics comes with worshiping the Norse gods? And he says basically see above. There are other more specific things in the have them all that are uh, kind of omnipresent tropes throughout the the religions. Love your family. Be a good person. Spend your time wisely. Know yourself. Improve. Stuff like that. Pretty cool shit. Uh, Well, thank you, Jesse. Uh, Hail Thor and hail Nimrod. And now, uh, this has been fun. And uh, but, the, but the ride is over, uh, so let's take five more glances to the north before we leave completely with some Top 5 Takeaway. Time suck. Top 5 Takeaway. Number one, Thor is sometimes driven around by goats you can eat over and over, and his dad rides on a spider horse. A lot of imagination points going out to those ancient Scandinavians. Number two, Roswell, New Mexico, officially world's butthole. Fact. No, that's not a fact, but it does make me laugh. Number three, all of the Norse gods will die. They will fight to the death at the final battle that ends the universe, Ragnarok. And until then, they battle daily around Valhalla. So much fighting. Number four, the Norse gods are alive today in the hearts of the faithful. And thankfully, not all of the faithful, not even most of the faithful are white supremacists. Number five, new info. The gods of the Norse uh, do not live only in our world. They do battle in many realms. Uh, here's a quick overview of the cosmology of the Norse. There are many realms that exist among nine separate worlds. And here are those worlds. There's Midgard, the home of humanity and human civilization. Asgard, the, the world of the Aesir tribe of gods and goddesses. Uh, Vanaheim, the world of the Vanir dra- uh, tribe of gods and goddesses. Uh, Jotunheim, the world of the giants. Niflheim, the primordial world of ice. Uh, Muspelheim, the primordi- primordial world of fire. Uh, Alfheim, the world of the elves. Uh, Solvat- Solvatelheim, the world of the Dwarves so much D d uh, hell the world of the uh you know goddess of the same name and, and the dead uh Poodleheim, the the world of puty and juju uh Nimrodheim uh the world of Nimrod Bojangles Luzafina, triple M Jimmy Ingram and more and of course Chikatiloheim. why why you do this why you put a Chikatilo in North God episode it is stretch it is big stretch uh, more stretched than a uh, soft shame cock, which look more like old chutoy toy than human penis. Uh, look like worn out a rubber tube from years of tugging and wrestling. What is big deal with Chikatilo anyway? Why times so care about the monster? Maybe this uh, further punishment for Chikatilo crimes to be shamed over and over after death and now uh, sent even to live and, and do his uh, shame cock tugging in the worlds of the North. Okay, those last three may have been made up, but the other nine worlds are real in Norse mythology. Time Suck Top 5 Takeaways. Norse Gods is in the suck pile, in the suck heap, stashed in the did it suck folder. Now pay fucking attention and listen to these tour dates. Time Suckers 2018 Flat Earth Stand-Up Tour happening. Write down which one you're coming to in a notepad. Don't have pen or paper? Use blood. San Francisco Punchline tickets on sale April 25th to the 28th. Scoop them up. One of my fave clubs. Brea this week, Cleveland in two weeks, Charlotte, Atlanta, Birmingham, Huntsville, Nashville, Houston, Dallas, Salt Lake City, San Francisco—all coming up in April. Everything but San Francisco and Salt Lake City—one big week of touring. San Antonio during that week as well. Uh, more info up at DanCummins.tv. Check out the tour dates, snatch up some tickets. Wear your time soak shirts. Wear the. Come get a flat earth shirt, or just fucking don't even don't even wear a shirt. Just show up shirtless and have a great time. Thanks to Social Media Master, uh, Sydney Shives, Events Coordinator, Amazing Patron Saint of the At Secret Space Lizards, Social Media Accounts, Harmony Camp, Show Notes Editor, Extraordinaire, and a uh, Asatuar, uh, Jessny Dobner, and the entire TimeSuck team, including interns, Maddie Teeter, and uh, Deanna Marino. Thanks for all the reviews. Thanks for spreading the suck, man. Best way you can help the show is to spread the word. Post on social media, reference it on Reddit. Every review helps every time. You guys write the most wonderful things and read every review. It helps so much. Thank you for the emails. Uh, sorry, again, I, I've not gotten back to so many, not enough hours in the day, but going to have some organizational help here pretty soon, uh, which will make it easier to kind of stay on top of everything and get back to you, you know, regarding various business possibilities, things like that. Don't think that I'm just ignoring it. It's just, I'm literally barely getting enough sleep as it is, but we're moving forward. In the next few months can get so much more organized. I'll be so much more rested. There will be a uh, way more help. It's going to be awesome. I'll, I'll announce exactly what that's about here soon. Uh, thanks to the Space Lizards for voting in today's topic. Next Monday on Time Suck, we suck on a topic. My sister Donna Hale, fantastic teacher and human being and Time Sucker and researcher, suggested and researched the Bielski brothers, the real-life story of a Polish Jewish family that the Daniel Craig movie Defiance is based on, a family that organized a militia and fought back against the Nazis with the mission to save as many Jews as possible, a powerful story of courage and compassion. Get ready to tear up, motherfuckers. Get ready to be inspired. Get ready to have your heartstrings plucked. Get ready to remember why you must always fight back, never give up, no matter what the odds are as far as how they're stacked against you. We're gonna to remember to rise up. So excited for that episode. This Friday, we're gonna have a bonus episode. What is it? Well, check out at Time Suck Podcast on Instagram, find out what, who wins the vote. And now, time for some time sucker updates. Updates, get your time sucker updates. Today's first email. Is from time sucker Ethan Wad, a, uh, a fellow Northwesterner who gave me a nice reminder to keep an open mind. I was touched. Uh, he writes in saying, Oh, His Holiness, the Suckmaster Cummins, Prophet of Nimrod, Delta General of the Bojangles Army, successor to the chairman of the Ministry of Silky Walks. My name is Ethan Wad, and I'm a devout sucker by choice and a Christian youth pastor by profession. Love it. Just wanted to write in regards to my deep appreciation of you and your open-minded, hilarious, and insightful podcast that has brought great joy to my days and has scratched my eternal itch for knowledge of the strange and the curious. As I said, I'm a youth pastor, and I love what I do. Trying to help young people know that they are loved and valued is my passion. And I truly believe, whether you believe in a higher power or not, that it is our deepest desire to feel loved and know we are appreciated. I agree with that, man. I do agree with that. That's I'm, I'm understanding that's what the— Cult of the Curious also provides some people, and I, it means a lot. Yeah, by the way, I deeply appreciate you and hope you know that you are valued. Ah, you're adorable, Ethan. I I, I appreciate that, man. I do feel valued. Uh, on the note uh, – uh, sorry, I'm sorry. On that note, I've been a huge fan not only of your podcast since it first aired but also your stand-up, which has brought me laughter on countless road trips. I know that we may share different beliefs, but I deeply appreciate that you don't crap on people for what they choose to believe or their beliefs themselves. I know that being sure of what you believe and why you believe those things is important. It is equally as important to be open-minded to what others believe and what they believe in. That's true. Uh, oh, i sorry, and why they believe it. Open-mindedness is the key to a cohesive and caring community, which is what I believe I found here in the Cold of the Curious, for sure. Thank you for facilitating this incredible movement and keep on sucking. <laughs> May Bojangles bless you and Nimrod be pleased. Uh, Ethan Wad, I love how you said, like, spit I love how you guys know, almost every, you know, I need help with that stuff. P.S. If you ever make it out to Bend, Oregon, I love Bend. It's beautiful. It's kind of like Coeur actually. Let me know so I can uh, buy you one of our many craft brews. Also, do you think you could do an episode on the Montauk project? I do think that is on the list. And yes, that'll be happening someday for sure. Fascinating conspiracy that includes everything from kidnapping and sleeper cells of young men to time travel and mind control. Wow. I think you'd be pleased by sucking this topic to completion. P.P.S. I got married last weekend. Oh man, congrats. And now my wife, Leah, is getting into the suck. Is there any chance she could get a shout out? Hell yes, Leah. Sounds like you got a great dude. A very intelligent, compassionate, you know, uh, man. And uh, just sounds awesome. Good energy from Ethan. So you know what? Uh, I hope you two have a long, long, happy marriage uh, and enjoy it. And then another heartfelt update. Uh, and this is the one I referenced earlier at the beginning of the show. This comes in from an amazing space lizard, Rob Thomas, who came to Coeur a little over a week ago. I uh, came to the the, the elite space leader event, came, came all the way from Philly to share an amazing story with me. Uh, I guess my passion for time suck inspired him to throw himself into his own wonderful cause, the Tyler Quinter Foundation. It's www.tyler, T-Y-L-E-R, Quinter, Q-U-I-N-T-E-R, foundation, inc. org. Also on any social media platform, you can search Be Like Tyler, hashtag Be Like Tyler. And you can find it. What is this foundation? Let's hear Josh, descri- I'm sorry, Rob, describe it. Dan, when I came out to meet you, I wanted to give uh, you the foundation shirt as a token of appreciation for all that you have done and say thank you, which which he did. Man, uh, thank you. Tyler's loss hit close to home due to his attitude of changing the world through kindness being similar to my uncle and aunt who lost their battles to cancer. With his passing, I had learned that I had not grieved those two appropriately, and a ton ton of demons came to surface. The past couple of months have been rough, but with the help of you, your comedy, and your podcast, I have been able to battle those demons. Listening to Time Suck is my therapy. I cannot begin to express how appreciative I am for you to take the time to listen to Tyler's story and how we are, for you know, uh, and how we are working, excuse me, to keep his memory alive. I can say that after we spoke, I called Mark and Lori, Tyler's parents, to tell him that uh, how compassionate you were and how his story affected you. To both of you, thank you uh, for taking the time to listen. Oh, sorry. Uh, he was referring to Harmony as well in this email. Uh, thank you for taking the time to listen and allowing me the opportunity to speak about the foundation. You you both have gained a friend for life due to your overwhelming generosity and kindness. Your faithful suck, faithful suck servant, Robert Thompson, secretary of the Tyler Quintner Foundation. So, so go learn some more time suckers about this wonderful young man. He passed away last year at the age of 13. He was born with a double congenital heart defect. He required four open heart surgeries to correct the defects. In addition to these surgeries, He endured years of follow-up appointments and tests, which at times required overnight stays in the hospital, had several other surgeries as a result of these heart defects. Throughout all the bad times, uh, Tyler would find the strength to fight and come out on top and have a compassion about him like there's, you know, like he had not seen in another human. Uh, Tyler made everyone else a priority, putting others before himself every day. He was wise beyond his years. And in the last year of his life, he made and sold bracelets at school. He then used the money he was raising to buy lunches at school for kids who couldn't afford them. Just holy shit. And now his foundation provides scholarships to students who exemplify all of Tyler's traits that also assist families financially who have medically fragile children. We want to continue telling Tyler's story and assist those in need as he has helped others for his almost 14 years. Powerful, emotional shit, man. Uh, thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob, for bringing that to my attention and, and thank you for doing what you do, man. And now we're going we're gonna to lighten shit up a little bit. Feeling too many emotions right now. We got to get some mush mouth updates. Got to, got to go back to some comedy. This first one is from Time Sucker, Tom Kohler. Got a lot of emails about his, uh, uh, this, this word. Uh, Tom writes, hello, prophet of Nimrod. Since you're always getting people helping you correct your pronunciation. Damn you. <laughs> Papyrus. Yes. Good. Ugh. I wanted to just chime in on something in the Tupac Biggie episode. You mentioned Biggie has a, uh, Coley Covision, or at least that's what it sounded like. you were trying to say, I, I sound, I said, col Covision. I do remember these from my childhood. I had a friend who had one, and yeah, and they're pronounced ColecoVision. And Tom uh, sent me some links, and I have to say the gaming system looked way better than the Atari I had. It came with Donkey Kong. The games were way closer to arcade games of the early 80s than Atari was. And then it just started to die in the video game crash of 1983 when there were just too many systems flooding the market. And by 1995, uh, I was gone. A uh, next pronunciation update is from Super Sucker George Riley, who says, I've been listening to you since I first heard you on Tom and Dan. Yeah, mediocre time. Love those guys. I love the show, all the content, uh, you know, uh, you, you, put out, oh, suck Lord on the Tupac, Tupac and Biggie suck. You kept pronouncing his mother's names wrong, name wrong. So I know it was not on purpose. Can you please pronounce it correctly out of respect? Please, uh, suck. Keep, keep on sucking. I love your sucks and me being a black male listening to you suck and have so much detail and do research correctly on so many other African-Americans. Thank you. Congrats. You suck. Time Lord of the Big Suck World. Well, thank you, George. Man, you, get, you should have told me uh, which name and then how to do it correctly. I still don't know. You got to maybe send another update. Yeah, man, sometimes super hard to find pronunciations for names. You know, cause you have to go to like documentary videos, but if it's a minor character in the story, their name might only come up once in a two-hour period. And I would love to say I, I have time to search two, uh, a two-hour documentary for one person's name, but I, but I don't not to keep these coming out on a weekly basis. So just know that it's not, uh, it's not not out of disrespect. It's just, uh, you know, names are tricky and I'm probably going to keep fucking them up here and there. And by probably, I mean, definitely. (laughs) And you know, today's episode, Norse gods, uh, about as white of an episode as you can do. And I'm pretty sure I fucked up way more names than I did last week with Tupac and Biggie. So it's definitely no disrespect, man. And thank you for continuing to listen. And I hope you keep enjoying the show and I hope you see in Florida this summer. One last update. About last week's update comes from J- or last week's episode coming in from JT Henry. All right. Mix master suck. Finally, something I can learn, uh, uh learn, uh, learn you about, learn upon you. I don't know. In the Biggie and Tupac episode, you say that Marvel's Black Panther was the first mainstream African-American superhero. Actually, the first mainstream African-American superhero was the Falcon introduced by Marvel in 1969, three years after Panther, while Black Panther was the first mainstream black superhero. He actually hails from the African nation of Wakanda, making him the first African superhero. Side note, Wakanda is perhaps most well-known in real life as the home of the vibrator. Queen Ramonda in 1855, who served as queen mother over her son once her husband, the king, died, found herself in a pickle in that she wanted some some good good, (laughs) but the society would have required she remarry, which she did not want to do. So she, uh, or a handmaiden, history is unclear, came up with the idea to take a gourd, uh, likely a local hard squash native to the country, dry it, hollow it out, and fill it with bees. While the bees would die after a while, while they were alive, they vibrated the gourd in a most pleasing way. Love to suck. Keep on sucking. P.S. You might want to Google Wakanda before you read this on the show. Well, I did Google Wakanda, and then I Googled Wakanda vibrator, and then I Googled Wakanda bee gourd vibrator. Cleopatra is the person who invented the old bee gourd vibrator, not Queen Ramonda, uh, who may not have even been around. I Googled her, and, and she didn't come up. So you got me, son of a bitch. You got me. That was well done. That was a a good lie hidden there. You did it it perfectly, right? You hide it in a bunch of truth. So thanks for taking me on that ride, and thanks, everyone, for the updates. Next time, suckers, I needed that. We all did. So that's it, suckers. Have a great week. And by the power of Thor's thunder hammer, I command you, keep on sucking. Dot com slash timesuck.